Okay, so episode three of Stodcast. This is with Callum Kant from the band Tyrannus. Uh, Callum came to my flat last Tuesday and we just sat and chatted about metal, a lot of metal, uh, including his band Tyrannus and all his other bands he was in when he was younger. Uh, we chatted about the Scottish metal scene, a lot about his friends in the bands in the Scottish metal scene. We chat about promoters, we chat about arseholes that shouldn't be in the music industry. Um, get them exposed. We yeah, we just chat a lot. It was good. It was a nice conversation to have. Um, I think I've nailed it with length this time, and I've nailed it with audio quality. As the first episode, I love, but it's too long. The second a second episode, I love, but the quality is fucking terrible. Um, and Reese did a great job because it was really a lot worse before I sent it out, but. Yeah, Reese did a fantastic job of editing it. I can't thank him enough. And I'm also going to say a pre-thank you to him just now because he's going to edit this and he's not even got the USB stick yet for it yet. But I already know he's done a fantastic job. So thank you, Reese. Uh, so yeah, just a wee thank you to everybody that's that's downloaded the podcast or followed Instagram or liked whatever. It really does mean a lot. I don't have a platform. I started with nothing with this podcast. Um, and the people that I've done it already, I'm really thankful for. And the people that I've got coming up to do the podcast, I'm also very thankful for. I've got one or two in the future uh, that have said yes. And uh, they're people that I've looked up to for a long time, not just for their music, but for their artistry too. Um, decent, decent people. So I'm chuffed and excited to get on with them in the future. Uh, so yeah, I'm just really, really thankful. Thank you for downloading. Uh, the problem is with me, I don't have a platform. I'm not one of these people that was in a, a pretty big band. And they're like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm just going to chat to all my music friends that are in good bands and big bands. And just get hundreds of listens and hundreds and thousands. And I don't have that. I've started off small. I want to climb up and try and be the best I can at this. Um, it's going to take time. It's going to take some money to get better equipment. It's going to take a lot of patience. It's going to take a lot of begging and a lot of re-messaging to be like, oh, you're still game for doing this. But yeah, it is what it is. You need to get somewhere. Uh, and I'm thankful for the people that have said yes and the people that have done it already. So yeah, thank you. If you've listened, downloaded, liked, shared, whatever, thank you. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to shut up now. This is episode three of Stodcast with Calm Kant. Right, okay, uh, Calm Kant, this will be episode three of Stodcast. Uh, we know each other through Sinead, who, and Sinead is sitting in the room with us. Hello, Sinead. You can say something. She won't say fuck all perfect. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, you can speak louder than words. Correct, correct. So you are in the band Tyrannus. That is your main kind of focus just now. It is. Um, right, let's kind of start for the start. I'll always start. Born and raised in Dunfermline? Uh, raised in Dunfermline, uh, born in Dundee, and lived the first seven years of my life in Arbroath. Arbroath? Yeah. Fun. Next to a beach. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. But nobody goes on. I know, yeah. Oh, there's a suitcase got washed up there once. That was uh, a, that yeah, was quite a... very interesting suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, your parents, did they have like a musical taste at all? 
Um, yes and no. So my mum loves uh, basically anything that was eighties and popular at the time. Um, you'd have as like I grew up on like stuff like Two Unlimited and Ab- and Abba. So I think like that that gives you like a really good sort of foundation for for writing black metal. You know, it's perfect. Um, Fully who? What a riff! <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um but no i think i think stuff like uh, like i still love a lot of edm and um and i do have a soft spot for anything that comes from the 80s probably from my mom yeah um my dad i know he was a big iron maiden fan when he was a kid because like because i remember growing up and he would always have like iron maiden shirts on like when he was Mm um like when he was doing like stuff around the house or painting like there was an old like really old trooper shirt that probably someone would, would pay like a grand for now that he's got yeah. covered in paint so um but overall i don't think he had the biggest interest in music besides like like what he was into when he was a kid, kid. after that it was just like whatever was current i think at the time so what was your first like influence on music did you what well, obviously you're slightly older than me so but same generation pretty much so a cassette would have been your first purchase or a cd we're being CD. Yeah. Um, so the first purchase I ever made would have been it was either American Idiot or The Long Road by Nickelback. I can't remember which one came first because I two thousand four, not earlier than that. No, not really. Because no. I didn't take take much of an interest in music until uh, I think like everyone in our generation, Tony Hawk's Grand Theft Auto, Need for Speed. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That that was that was how like my musical taste was properly formed. Was, yeah, was like was Need for Speed Most Wanted, San Andreas, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 and Underground. Right. So oh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so as American, that was my first purchase too. That was, well, uh, no, no, that was my first album given to me on my 9th or 10th birthday. First album given to me was uh, one of the busted albums. I think it was like... The, the first one? No, I think it was like the second... Crash the Wedding. That's the Present one. Present for everybody. Yes. Or everyone, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was yeah. Uh, the first one I ever bought and... Uh, not bought, got given because it was a Christmas yeah. present. And then that was kind of what started the whole, like, buying series thing. Even looking back, man, those records are fucking amazing. Like, there's a song called Dawson's Geek on the first record, and it's actually like... A total punk song. I've not listened. It's not totally punk, but it's very punky. Like so, one of the songs uh, I think it was "Crash the Wedding" came on my girlfriend's playlist recently, and I was really stunned by how much pop punk influence it yeah, had. Like I, I, yeah. did, I thought, like I thought that stuff was kind of like window dressing, but yeah. there was a, there was obviously a decent amount of influence, or not maybe not influence, but input from the guys on on that. I was saying Charlie was like total heavy because obviously he started Fight Star straight after Boston. I remember the first Fight Star single coming out on Kerrang. Um, so, uh, Pan Palinux Laughter. That's the one. Yeah, beautiful yeah. song. Yeah, really, uh, really funny video as well. Being that like they're they're up to their balls. Ah, uh, the water. Water. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. Perfect. Right. Okay. So. You went from like kind of busted to pop punk to green day kind of punk music. Mm-hmm. What was your first metal, proper metal? Uh, Slipknot's Duality. Uh, so, um, I for one Christmas I got given an MP3 player, uh, which um, got loaded up with just a bunch of songs. Um, that the first one I remember was Duality, yeah. and that kind of I think like again like many like metal fans my age that was just what yeah you know that that's that's what kind of sets you down the, the downward spiral as it were yeah so yeah that that i couldn't get enough of and then 
and then I think I got given some songs because like back back then like it wasn't like you'd get like when it came to digital stuff it wasn't like you'd get given full albums that's quite rare you'd normally get like Bluetooth a, or infrared me put your uh, phone next inf- to each infrared uh, Bluetooth like, like you'd, yeah. um, or or like if you you got given downloads um, like it would be one song it would yeah. take you like, like 20 minutes or half an hour to download I remember a boy at my school when I was like uh, high school he had uh, Iowa on his phone and I mind a 15 minute song Iowa it took him like the whole 50 minutes of the break time <laughs> trying to like Bluetooth at me and like oh, come on I've got art class and like come on we have three seconds left just, just hold on Fucking Matt and the Dave, man. Right, okay, so what was your first gig? First gig was the Black Crusade uh, in two thousand November 2007. So that was uh, Machine Head, Trivium. Oh, it was a tour, not a band. Yeah, it was, ah, it was right. a tour. So Machine Head, Trivium, uh, Arch Enemy, Dragon Force, and Shadows Fall. That was, Where was that? Uh, that was at the SECC. Ah. Uh, that was like a, That's some lineup. Yeah, quite Dragon uh, Force were so down. Um, yeah, so the it start so Shadows Fall were the opening band, and then I think I think Arch Enemy followed them, and then it was Dragon Force below Trivium, and then um, and then Machine Head uh, headlined. Nice. Um, so yeah, that was, that was quite a way to get your feet wet. Yeah, that's a good lineup, like for mm. sake. Cool. So, what was your first kind of? Obviously, that's like the higher end of the metal scene in terms of like it's an SEC gig. Um, where where did you start seeing smaller bands like where did you start going to dives start seeing like a, a 50 a 500 capacity room with like 30 people in it yeah kind of so thing? there's there's two that can that you can put to that then so the first proper like like low low tier show I guess what you'd call it um, that was at the sound house in Glasgow um, if I remember <laughs> I'm trying to remember because the two times that I was in Soundhouse, we both were to see a pal's band, which were called Psychoanalysis. They're like a melodic death metal band, kind of like Black Dahlia Murder type of sound. Okay. I saw them twice. Once, I'm pretty sure, was... I think the first time was with them. Do you remember a band from Dunfermline called Omica? No. No. Um, Barry Duff? No. No, okay. Um, but they... they uh, they they play, I think they, they were the headliners, and then it was them, Psychoanalysis... Uh, a band from East Kilbride called Necropolis, um, and and one of their one of their members has gone on to, to go into a, a bigger band, but I can't remember the the, the name now. Um, and those are the only three I remember. And then the second time was was again Psychoanalysis, but they were supporting uh, Arnold Core, the Arnold Schwarzenegger punk metal band. What just can't stress enough as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, right? pretty much. Uh, that pretend- sounds like the Ned Flanders band. There's a total yeah, mi- yeah, yeah. They 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 predate the, they were like one of the original gimmick bands. I think, yeah, because they because they kind of take their gimmick. They, they kind of take it seriously, like as if they were eighties wrestlers. Aye. Um. So like 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 you always address them by their character name and and that that kind of thing. It's it it does make for some interesting uh interesting what's the word interactions we'll say right okay um it's kind of like elvana you heard of them nirvana it's like a nirvana band but elvis it's front of them oh right okay fucking daft like so right imagine that then but if elvis was was trying to be elvis all the time oh right okay so um and then the first proper divey dumfermon gig i ever went to i don't remember any of the other bands that played but i do remember uh there was like a one-man band called fearsome engine and the guy was just like, like literally by himself. 
Was this in... It was in Monty's, Monty's. before the renovation. So the... What, so the stage was in the middle? It was like in, it was like in the corner almost. Like it was a, it was a, like so well before like all the slash stuff and that was all up in Monty's and that like and all the lights and that it was literally just the back of a of a room, and like the stage was at the corner. The desk was in another corner next to the toilets. All oh, right, the girls in the right. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was just uh, it, it like it was just not pleasant at all. But I, I just remember being like like. 16 or 17 yeah. whatever old it was and, and having like a really good time watching this one man band yeah even though like like all you're hearing is his buzzy guitar uh and like the the tick, 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 tick of of like very fake drums that have barely been edited fuck's sake they have like the whole like tambourines in his feet and all that shit not quite bass drum in the back no no, uh, no more, more just uh drum tracks played over pa that just weren't mixed oh, properly sake. at all and and it's hilarious because literally me and my two friends and that was that's all all who was who were watching um but then as it just so happened after him was the one of the bands i would go on to join later on was aggressus so aggressus well, yeah. okay so was that one of your first bands then yeah so that would be in the second band i, I ever joined wait hold on the guitar we missed up we missed the entire section here Aye. You learn to play guitar first, I take it. No, bass. Bass. All right. Okay. Yeah, Fair enough. So, How'd you get your first bass? So, slight addendum. I did have a guitar when I was a kid, but I was terrified of it. So uh, eventually, I uh, ended up picking up a bass um, because I wanted to jam with my pals. Um, you know, you got like two superstars uh, playing guitar and drums, and you know, well, I want to do that as well. So yeah. then, so then, okay, well, it's free bass. We'll go and do that then, and then that. That really helped me sort of build my confidence up when it came to like just playing music. So were you in a band as a bassist? Yeah, like like my first day of playing a bass, I was in a band. What band? Uh, so it would have gone on to be called Lycanthropy, which is Lycanthropy spelt wrong because I was 14, 15 like, yeah. when, I, when I came up with the name. Um, and Did you just draw your wee band logo and your yeah, mash, yeah, on, on your mash jotter and all that, all that shit? Yep, it, it <laughs> goes in your mash jotter, uh, it goes in your modern studies jotter, and then... Later on, it goes on MS Paint, and oh, yeah, fuck's yeah. yeah. sake. Right, so what was the band after that then? So that morphs into like a main band called DTI. Right, was that guitar? Uh, no, bass? that was still bass, oh, bass right. and vocals. At Turnus, I've only I've only played guitar in Turnus and briefly the band previous to Turnus, which was Sheer Ignorance. But the rest of my time playing music up until Turnus was was bass. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. So it made you stop doing bass. Um, you can only express yourself so much on a bass, and if you're going to be writing music uh, rather than just being a participant, you kind of need to be able to play guitar. Right. Okay. So I, I was playing bass for maybe a couple of years, and then I started playing guitar like outside of my bands. So mm-hmm. I, if I was in a band, I was playing bass, but outside of that, I was always practicing on guitar because I wanted to be a guitar player. Yeah. But took a, took a while for for that to be able to to happen. What was your first gig with any of these bands? First gig was at Ivory Blacks on... Oh, nice. Good uh, venue to start. I know, right? What, what, what a way. Ivory Blacks on the... Uh, I think it was a March in 2000 and... Was it 2009? Yeah, it was 2009 because I had the, the Spectre by then. What band? Um, That would have been... That would have been a name in between DTI and Lycanthropy, which was called Demonstration. Because we thought we were being really clever by you know take, putting a hyphen in the middle of demonstration, 
But then if you start saying that really quickly, you start getting all sorts of weird, uh, weird uh, looks. Uh, so, so yeah, we, we changed that not long so ago. So that's a fortunate, I take it. Uh, it was just one of those, those uh, sort of collector band bills where, like, um, at the time, it was just like like a four band. I think Ivory Blacks was really popular at that point, so it was literally like four bands would message Calvin to say, "Hey, we want a gig," and so he'd put four bands yeah. together. And then, so I think like, Ivory Blacks is still popular, but like for the metal scene, really only. It's hard. There well, has I know been some big, not big bands, but like decently appreciated and respected bands played there. I like like the owner Kelvin. He's a big metal fan. Like yeah. he's uh, like like he he's the one that's normally uh, well back then anyway. He he was always pushing to get like whatever metal bands were touring to come over. Like so, he's, like, all the touring death metal and black metal bands they yeah. end up playing Ivory Blacks. Yeah. Like that was kind of like like the spot for them until the scene, the Glasgow scene in general, opened up a bit. Yeah, but. I was meant to go see Bosk there last December. Great band, yeah, great yeah. band. Um, but I was the, the night they were playing was uh, the day I was getting tattooed somewhere down south. Yeah. So, shout! But I I've been there. Good venue. Um, they play often enough. They'll be back. They will be back. Yeah. I hope. Um, right. So, the jump from the bass. Any more bands you played bass in before you started? Uh, yeah. So it would have been so, so kind of goes. Uh, like in like in slash DTI, then it's um then it's aggressors for a year, Neris Core for three years, Scordatura for three months, uh Sheer Ignorance for I think it's I think that overall that band lasted maybe four years. Venomal for a couple of years and then uh and then Was that, this all overlapping each other? Yeah, yeah, like, like yeah, there'd be uh, times where I'd be in being like two bands at once. Right. Kind of thing. What was like the kind of most successful you had at any of those bands? Like, did you get any decent head uh, support slots? Any um, EP releases or? Yeah, so um, Neris Core managed to headline um, the Cat House once and oh, nice. played uh, and played a support slot to Napalm Death. Ah, sick. That that was at Ivory Blacks as well. Um, Scoratura was the first time I played uh, down south, and well, no, not down south, but in London. That was the first time I played in London. We s- supported Blood Red Throne, which is kind of odd now. I think about it, like a, a band from Glasgow going all the way down to London to play a support slot, but um, gotta get your name at some. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely there's no harm. Definitely works. That that was at the Boston Music Room in uh, in Kentish Town, and what else? Sheer Ignorance played um, played London. Venomoth played London. What was Sheer Ignorance? That just sounds like a really good punk band. It, it was a really good punk was band. Was that what it was? Um, not a metal band. Yeah, it was like a cross-punk cross slash black metal band. Um, who'd I best be? Kind of like a more Kimmel thing or a, a Doom, if you ever listened to Doom. Nah. Or like a really just... Um, have you ever listened to like Discharge's first album? Nah. Okay. Um... Things to compare here, but yeah, like just like a like a really miserable punk band, basically, but like more aggression than than weepy. Were you the right? Were you the head writer for that band? No, uh, that that's the thing. Throughout all of those bands, um, the only one I ever properly wrote for was was DTI. You were yeah. just percussion, pretty much. From I was like, I was there to facilitate stuff. Yeah. Like I think, I think for a long time, because I got so burnt out by my first band in terms of like songwriting, yeah. I, you kind of just you're kind of just there to have a good time, basically. But then it's not bad to like not blend into the rhythm section, like percussion side, not like not blend in, but like 
Oh, I never blended down. No, no but you stood, you stood out. But like, you know, what I mean, you were, you weren't like a driving force in terms of like a writer of sorts. But you weren't like in the background doing fuck all either. No, no, like, like it, I would say, what I kind of did my best in that regard was always trying to figure out my stage presence, so trying to be like trying to be more than just a bassist, basically. Yeah. Like, um, which to be fair, on on retrospect, I don't know if I would do that now. Like, if I was to go back, say, like. You, Put my my brain now ten years ago into Nerys core. I don't think I would have been like banging about with a wah pedal. But, yeah, that's you know, fair enough. Um, but but you know you got go make these mistakes. So you know not to make them. I guess it's not mistakes. It's just learning curves. It just shows you you've done it before. So right. So what was the last band you did before of being 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 bassist? Sorry. Uh, so the very last one would have been Venom Wolf. Venom Wolf. Yeah. Wolf. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Poison mm-hmm. Popper. Right, okay. And then what was the next band after that? So then it was Tyrannus. Straight into Tyrannus. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay, right. Tyrannus is where I'm at my strengths on this one, right? Okay. Cool. Right, so you started Tyrannus. Uh, you said you wrote an EP, but then you ended up getting released, did you? That was for Sheer Ignorance. So that was the one that, that was actually. So that uh, wasn't into Tyrannus, no? No, no, no. The, oh, first, right. the, the very first EP that we ever did for Tyrannus, that's, that's the one that is on the band camp with the funny skull. So um, there's nothing before that. There's nothing that. You weren't writing anything beforehand that could no, have been Tyrannus. No, so this this is the thing with that first EP, which is why I kind of have a bit of regret, regret for it, which is, so if we go back to what I was talking about with the um, the fact I'd been playing bass in, in other people's bands, basically, like I hadn't been writing anything or mm-hmm. like it wasn't really a way for me to kind of make my uh, presence felt, basically, other than on stage. And then even then, who remembers it? So... 2018 was a bit of a bad year for me and that ended up culminating in a sort of, I guess, a bit of a crisis of identity where I'm like, I've been playing bass in other people's bands for about 10 years now and I've got nothing to show for it. You know, because in that time period, only one thing got got released, which was an EP for Neris Core and you can't hear me on it. Was it at least so, a physical? Oh, wait, did you get total Jason New Kid? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, like I got, um, like, there's literally one part... And it sounds like, um, you know, Monkey from Corns, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that, but, like, all the, the bottom end got taken out of it. Really? That's what it sounded like. It was terrible. Who did the mix in? Was it the singer? Uh, no, the no. Uh, the way that, that particular EP went was we we literally had a day each to record our parts for four songs, and I kind of just got left on my own to, to do it with the producer without, without really a lot of direction. And then I think it was basically the guitarist and that producer kind of just got together. And I don't know if the bass just wasn't good enough or, or what, but they... Uh, if you got a DH, what day were you? Was it drums, bass, guitar, vocals? Uh, drums, guitar, drums, guitars, bass, vocals. All right, okay. So yeah. you had some sort of yeah, so battery to work on. But yeah, I don't know what, what happened with it. But you know, like, but when I got it back, I was like, wow, uh, I don't like this. Did all. you confront me about it or just fucking let it slide? Well, yeah. I was 19. What was it going? What, was yeah. it, what, what did I notice? I know, yeah. But, so yeah. It's so, not like you got the royalties coming in to like start fucking asking for money. I mean, yeah, a bit to say, there, I don't think yeah. I don't think anyone's going to ever be listening to, to that EP. Ever. Is it online? It is online. I'll you, find you it. You can find it on, on Spotify easy enough. Fair um, enough. But no, I... Full EP name, sorry? It's called Frenzied Savage Inhumane by Neris Kaur. Perfect. Um, That'll be on SoundCloud 100%. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, right. So this leads us into Tyrannus. Yeah, so Tyrannus... Why did you start Tyrannus? Because so, you wanted to be you. 
basically yeah like yeah. like you've i've had enough of of not being able to like i'm looking at, at my um i don't know if you ever went on it but like the metal archives page or everything's catalog yeah i know what it? I, yeah that's how i got so a lot I'm, of shit about rickets before all right so i'm looking at, at my um i'm looking at my page and it's literally like, like a couple of demos and one ep and i'm like is this it is this yeah, all i've got yeah. for myself so are you supporting napalm dead that's a fucking beautiful thing to say to folk it is but like but that was 10 years ago i still though still yeah. did it though but um and and for some people that probably will be enough but definitely not for me so with the, that ep we we kind of basically rushed it out like it, there was like six weeks of writing basically and for the self-titled for the self-titled there was like like it got no time to breathe basically it was basically expected to be good uh, straight away and then that was it and I think, I think it is good. I love it. I used to think it's shite. I think I, it sounds I, like really good goblin metal. I love uh, it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, uh, that's goblin metal wasn't what, what wasn't the aim basically. So um, no, for for me, the issue with it is it feels too. Um, there's not like a lot of cohesiveness to it. A lot of it just yeah. feels like this riff tacked onto this riff tacked onto this riff. And the only sort of thing consistent is Alistair's drumming because he's he's a he is really good, yeah. He's an amazing, yeah. amazing best drummer I've ever played. I watched that live reality thing and I did take note of like how fucking good he was. Yeah, yeah, like, like no. Wait, no is that Alistair or Alistair? Alistair. 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 Cool. Uh, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's easily the, the best metal drummer in Scotland as far as I'm concerned. Though he will protest that when he hears us. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, right, so you did the self-titled, you did a couple of gigs off that, I'm sure? Nope. You didn't do any gigs of it. Oh wait, was that written over lockdown? Was no, this, it was just so was that was before lockdown. The two thousand eighteen was when it was written. It was released at the start of two thousand nineteen. And you didn't tour it at all. Nope, because we not? didn't think it was gonna. We didn't think we were gonna do anything beyond that uh, at first. We thought it was just gonna be that, and then see what happens from there. But I think when we got it back, we were both really cold on it, and so it was like, right, let's do something better. So then we started writing what was originally going to be like a second EP, but then when lockdown hit, it basically turned into an album, basically. So then the it, the it Taketh demo from yeah, 2021, yeah, yeah. that's half... So, no, it's, it's, it's one third of a pre-production demo, basically. So there's a full version of like of what became Unslayable as the It Taketh demo. Um, but it's that's not been released. It's just those three songs that came out. But wait, aye, so it taketh is on unslayable, but the demo for that came first. Yeah, you yeah, released yeah. that singular on its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that right. So okay. That, so we, we. So did you just not like the self-titled, no. and then you wrote it taketh, and you kind of thought, right, this is what more than what more for what we're going for. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So we by the time it taketh came out, we basically had the full album almost written. It was just a case of we had to. Um, we basically had to just keep going. Uh, as uh, what's the best way to put it? Yeah, like it take if was was pretty much if you when that came out, Unslayable was like eighty percent written at that point. Right. So Do you even play it in the self titled life? No, nah. no, not at all. Uh, there's no, there's no appetite for it. What I am planning on doing is probably recycling some of the riffs from it and then putting that into some of the... It's going to do every fucking band does, delete their old shit off online and try and make it untraceable. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm here to be held accountable. Yeah. Like, I want someone to be like, hey, your first EP sucked. And I'm nah, like, I, nah, I know. Nah, I think it's good. Nah, that's fair enough. Um, I like it. You're not the first person to tell me that you like it, to be fair. I'm not but, the first person. No, you're not the first person. There's there a few, you go. few folk who do like that's it. That's the thing. Folk are critical as fuck. Like, my first episode, I'm like, I thought it was, sh- like, I thought it was a good podcast, but it was too long, and I was so judgmental over the audio quality, 
and everyone's like, nah, it's really good. And I really liked the first episode. It was well, a nice, nice way to but come. I'm critical over it, and I will be. I'm, every episode, I'm going to just pick faults, and that's what you're meant to yeah, do is like somebody creates something, I suppose. Yeah, that, so. that's your right. Like, like don't uh, don't sell yourself short on these podcasts, man. Like, these are as much, these are val- just as valid in terms of art form as music, which is like, and therefore you will end up picking that apart. It's not that arty. It's just me talking to cunts. I'm just you're really still, fucking chatty. You're doing the exact same thing that the musicians do, where you're capturing a po- point of time. I suppose, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I'm trying to be fucking funny about it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you did. F- you made a demo cassette EP, didn't you? Yeah. And so only five of them. For the for, so, for so, the demo for the self-titled. Yeah. So for the for just the self-titled by itself, that got picked up by a guy called Corpse. Corpse Torture, I think his his label was. I don't mm-hmm. know what the guy's name was at all, but yeah, he he made five pieces, and I know Alistair's got a copy. I think Guillaume, the producer for that EP, has also got a copy. And the only other person I know of will be Sandy of the what's his blog called again? It's named after a bolt thrower. Um, thing, but yeah, like I only know three people have got, and I did have one, but I think I sold mine to Guillaume, so there's two others that are out there someplace. Right, cool. Sandy, Guillaume, and Alistair, fucking sell my copy. I want a copy. <laughs> right, so that leads in. So that it taketh demo covered. Right, a worse reality. That was next. Uh, yeah. So then, so at that point, you've got the you're going into the run up of the of the album. So, so you announced the album, and then you released a worse reality in the flood. Yes, as, as two singles. Yeah, like a month apart. Right. Okay. Um, and then why them? Uh, worse reality because it's the first. In fact, no, for both of them because they're basically the first two chapters of the the album because it's it's basically a concept album. All right. Okay. So so if you're releasing a book, you you release the first two chapters. Right. Okay. So. And then you redid It Taketh. Yeah, so It Taketh was part of a pre-production demo for Unslayable. So, right. so like, all the songs that are on Unslayable, there are, like, demo versions of those that will sound like It Taketh. Right. So, so where did you record this then? Was this all done at home? It was all done at home in, uh, during lockdown. No nice barns or anything like that? No, no. No, no nice no, producers? No, nothing like that. Uh, that, that. That We saved that up for the for unsellable um no it take if was literally done in my living room at the flat i was in at the time right um and yeah turned out better than expected for someone who was just operating off of sheer secondhand knowledge so what was your first gig then first gig was was it uh wait was it the album release show no uh did you do stuff for the uh, singles no well did we i don't think we did i think um no, the first first gig was last November twentieth, I think it was, and that was that was a gig I put together with Live Burial, Devastator, and was that at Thirteenth Note? Yeah, it was at Thirteenth Note in Glasgow. Right. Um, who was the other band we played with? Night Fighter, that's who. Right. Um. So that was last year, and then we played a couple of gigs leading up to the um leading up to Unslayable uh, being released. I think we played a couple of Glasgow shows. Uh, at one in Edinburgh, which was in the middle of a storm, so only three people came to that, which was, which was actually kind of fun. Was it an outside gig? No, no, it was. Uh, <laughs> I was it, just came swimming to your gig. No, it was, it was just a, it was at the Banshee Labyrinth. I love that venue. Yeah, I love Good that venue. place. Um, There's a fucking cinema in the back too. Yeah, yeah. Don't like the support band. The main one was Dracula. <laughs> exactly. Um. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, Banshee's one of my favorite places. Uh, really, just I had so many good times there. 
Um, that's where we end up having the head the head having the album release show. Right. When was that then? That was April thirtieth, I think that was because it was it was the week after the the album got released. What was the reception to them? Did you get was it pre-orders? There's no CDs, was there? No, there was CDs. Was we, there CDs? we did we did our own pressing off a of digipack. Oh, wait, I so you did. Fuck, yeah, so you did. Yes. And you had cassettes as well. Yes, uh, cassettes have have come out. They came out after the CD, so we so CD was our like we did that did that pressing ourselves and. The, the cassettes and uh, soon-to-be vinyl are both being done by True Cult Records. So, you had a vinyl? Yeah, yeah. You did a pink one or a purple one? Or... It's a it's purple, purpley pink splatter, splatter. On, uh, on black. What's the waiting time for that then? Originally, we were told that it should have been done by August, but that ended up not happening. Yeah. So um, instead, we've got, um, we're hoping it'll be out by just before Christmas. Right, okay. But it's it's hard to say. I, this whole thing's been really interesting because I know that some bands, um, uh, example being Ash Inspired, um, would they they had their album recorded for however long, but didn't get around to releasing it because they were waiting for the vinyl to come out. So they could, yeah. Because they they could then release it alongside the vinyl. Whereas yeah. me, I, I need stuff to be done now, and if they're not going to be done now, then I don't care. Yeah. So. Nah, fair enough. There is. I was speaking to Hamish for that in the first episode. Like, yeah, I remember, yeah. he was. Um, their album comes out like this month, I think, or next month. But they kind of get their LPs until like December or something. It's yeah. a bit cute for it. It's silly, but yeah. And obviously, other bands get like if a bigger band comes in, they get priority and all that stuff. So yeah, that's basically yeah. Like I think what happened with um, because the story the story of it all basically is that like. The big record labels all bought the the record producing plants like back in the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. Then, as vinyl stops being popular in the eighties and nineties, they shut them all down. Yeah, and then the big uh, research. Yeah, and then there's there's a big research. So it's like it's been. It's why you don't get musicians to do anything. Right. So you did unslayable. Yep. Uh, how many gigs have you done in Total Jinx so far? I can actually tell you because I've got uh, I've I have a weird thing for lists and no, that's fine. It's uh, good to keep note. So I have so by the end of this year we will have done seventeen seventeen gigs since Class. we started. So does that include live reality? Uh, I know oh, live reality. That, that was a recording session. So where was that about? Uh, that was in. Oh my god! It, right, I can't remember where exactly it is. It's in it's in the east end of Glasgow. Um, it got uh, affectionately called Shabby Road. But basically, if <laughs> if if you're a band in Glasgow, you probably have a practice space there. It's like this big four story um, old factory building that's been converted into a bunch of studios. Um, and so, like, like I know there's like loads of bands that that like um, that have got their own place there. But the the guy Michael, he's turned his into a recording studio uh, like very makeshift uh very like um kind of like like duct tape everywhere type of deal you know yeah so um uh but yeah like it, it's got mojo basically but it, it that turned out way better than than i think anyone would would expect just looking at it on the surface yeah that was i had to like google kind of live stuff that's the only thing that came up I thought the version it take you through did it take it was fucking brilliant. Oh, thank you. Uh, what do you point at the, at the end of the cam at the end? You point to a camera and say the last lyric. What is it? I couldn't make it out. And it taketh. 
Uh, yeah, it taker, it taker. I think that's it. It's, is that just it taker? Right, yeah. okay. Aye, I loved your old school fucking studded belt you were wearing as well, like total uh, two thousand and seven. Oh yeah, yeah. Pop like, punk. No, like uh, we're we're a mishmash of uh, of, of imagery. I think like we're. Uh, I don't know, like like I think like one of the things I try to do, like even though we're a black death metal band, I try and make us fairly relatable to anyone that's watching yeah. it. So. I don't, I don't know, I'm like the whole grow your hair down to your arse and then look like Cousin It while you play a spiky guitar just isn't quite my, my deal. Right. So. Nah, fair enough, man. Uh, right, so you did your first gig in London a, a month and a half ago now? Yeah. A month and a half, how was that? You put you put it on yourself, didn't you? Yes. And, uh, oh, where have you in London, is it again? It's the dev, um, so it's it's kind of uh, famous amongst anyone who's is a metal fan, like in in that area. Uh, like the dev is is kind of like where I guess people go to start their their metal journey, is it? Or like what's the city called again in London? It's uh, where the underground is. Uh, it's uh, Camden. Camden, yeah, yeah, Camden. Right, okay. Yeah, so uh, Camden Town, Kentish, Kentish, bottom Kentish Town Road. Right, okay. So, um, but yeah, it's a really, it's like one of these like really cool venues. It's obviously like, like thousands of bands have played. There's stickers everywhere. Yeah. Like the clientele is, is kind of obviously metal fans. Yeah. And um, and it was free entry as well. So it's not like, um, again, that, that works with us for, for, you know, for our values and all that. So. Um, but yeah, like, like I put the, put the bill together, um, got four, really diverse but complimentary bands so it's so that, that way the, the the night really flowed like i don't know about you but i i hate going to a gig and it's all four of the same band like four grunty death metal bands that all sound the same or yeah four screechy black metal bands that like that, that are all just playing mayhem chords or, or whatever like I, I don't care like yeah. you know, like i need something that's that's like appealing something that like the first band on was Alsia and he is just a one man drone act that does is no drums I've never seen a one man band before but never. Fucking, it sounds scary it's it's literally just uh, like so your usual one like the first one man band uh, obviously I never saw was Fierce Manger but the first one who did it well was um, a band a one man band called uh, Putrid Pile and basically, it's just a guy. He'll do vocals and guitars, and then he'll have his his backing track going over like a PA, yeah, and um, fed back to him in the monitors. Uh, sometimes they come with laptops. Uh, like they're they're a bit of a meme. Uh, they were they were definitely a meme back when I was growing up, and yeah, and definitely two thousand like late two thousands early two thousand tens. But with um with also he does like. He, he literally just goes on there with a guitar and that's it. There's no drums, no nothing. And and for that one, he didn't even have a mic. He was just screaming into the... into Because like, he could get that loud. Yeah. So... Mint. So yeah, like, it was just, like... It, it's one of those types of acts where, like, if I was to describe it to you, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, why would anyone be into that? But when you actually listen to it and then you're in front that of... That is different when... Yeah. Then, then it becomes an experience. Because I remember um, I remember a couple of guys next to me when after we we'd fin- after we finished the set, they just literally said, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> that is a lot of shite. Like, uh, you can listen to and then you see live and it's like, yeah, actually, it's, live it's different. On a, on the, you listen to it on fucking like iTunes, it just sounds shit. But to watch it and kind of appreciate what they're doing and how they're making it all work together in a one-hour 
Well, because it means you can go back and listen to it and then actually appreciate what they're doing. Like, I think, like, Arcea, like that, or drone in general, that kind of thing is like, that's meant to be listened to. Like, you're by yourself, you're on a bad time, and you just wanted to, like, escape into the, like, the absolute murkiest darkness possible. Yeah. So, that's uh, fair enough. And, right, who are the other two bands that supported you in London? Uh, Sewer Trench, uh, who are, like, a kind of like a, a crusty metal hardcore type band, like, really really energetic really um violent sounding let's say nice uh, and Baal, who are like a progressive black metal band from sheffield uh really nice guys and yeah like, like they they played they played so well I, I nearly forgot we were playing like you know like, like when a band is, is is so good that they like you're almost thinking like are they they should, like they, they could have headlined this easily did you want to follow them almost no yeah no it's like oh because that's the kind of thing i try to do with when we're playing bills up here is yeah that's the point yeah, yeah like, you, you want, want to outplay yeah. yeah you want to play so good that like it makes the other that the other bands be like oh no why did we put them on like yeah. opening or something or shit we need to bigger a game kind of thing some bands can just like i'll well, just play normally tonight but there should be a band and that's the point of a support band they should be slightly different from you but they should also push push you to be your best fully agreed fully um, agreed you do get some bands just put on utter shite just so they make them look good you know what I mean yeah like there, especially there's band. I've noticed that some bands who promote them who promote their own gigs like we do what like, can be quite guilty of like they'll just kind of put on a bunch of acts that they can either like get away with not paying or um, or like you say like aren't very complimentary to them at all so yeah. by the time they come on everyone's waiting for them that kind of thing we also get those like lineups as well where like a record company sends a big band on tour and they stick their wee diet support act that just send like the big band that you've just signed but not as much money behind uh, them uh, or stick them on tour with them for fucking two weeks or that band has bought onto the tour mm. yeah I, yeah, yeah, yeah. pay to play is just fucking silly I, I think that's that's not a good way to I get why bands do it because it's money but pay to play is just fucking stupid like it, it's a very complex subject that I um, so when when you say pay to play is stupid for the most part I, I agree with you um, I only... get it for money I get it all bands need to survive but you know what I mean like, you should be helping if you if you're good enough to bring a band out or to play a gig, you should be helping them because somebody did that to you beforehand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Somebody somebody gave you the chance, the, the, the opportunity to show yourself and now you're at that level where you can show yourself and you're making somebody pay to play with you to i don't know it doesn't it doesn't complement itself it doesn't go hand in hand i don't feel it gets really complex though because like when you start getting put into the politics of it like okay so you're a main so you're a main event band and you're doing a tour of uh, whatever you don't want your support act to be dragging you down obviously but you also don't want them to be kind of showing you up you also want to be making sure you're getting on with them and yeah. that they're going to comply with, with whatever your demands are yeah, as suppose, well. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's really, it. I understand why it happens. I don't agree with it. Basically, like, yeah. it, like, like. No, I've never say never, but ideally, I don't really want turners to tour because touring sucks. But if that was to happen, ideally, we would be going on tour with our pals. And people... You just want to do one shows at a time, always weekends. Yeah, I've noticed whenever you play a fucking gig, it's never a Tuesday when I can get it <laughs> off. It's always a Friday night. Um, yeah, I think, I think the closest we've ever done to that was a Sunday, which was for the Imperial Triumphant show. Um, yeah, well, like it's just that's just the it's unfortunate that it's just the, the best time for it. Like, yeah, not many people want to come out and see you on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Um, right, so 
Right, I'm really, really bad at pronouncing it here. I apologise to Amelia if I get you on the second name wrong. Is it Warazil? Who does your artwork? Uh, Amelia Warazil. I think it's Vorishil. Uh, cool, close enough. Um, Amelia Vorishil. Yeah, so she did the at Takeoff cover. Did she not do it all? No. Um, it's very same. It looks all the same. And not like not all the same, but it looks it's the same we theme. Have, yeah, um, we have a consistent aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Um, purple and black. Purple yeah. and black, like Bret Hart. Yeah. <laughs> This shit, man. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Shawn Michaels fan over here, eh? No, it's uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, man. If you, if you put the letter rest in front of hit man, you'll get my exact opinion of Bret Hart. I mean, Stone Cold was, was fantastic as well. Um, I can miss that. Right, anyway, so Amelia, she she, she only did It Taketh. She only did the It Taketh. So who's done the rest? So, um, if I remember right, Daniel Cockerera, aka Necronicon, who did the, the self-titled uh, EP. Um, to be fair, I bought that artwork off him like nearly two years before that that thing came out. Like I, I just when I saw it, it was for sale. I was like, right, I have to have that. So I think I had that in my Dropbox for about a year and a half before I finally had something to put it to. Um, do you when you get artwork these days? Do you send whoever you want to make make it? Do you send artists to music first and they? Obviously, they've got a theme in mind: black and black and purple. Um, do they? Do they? Do you let them listen to it first and be like, "Right, listen to this now, draw, see what comes up," or do you just go as long as it's black and purple? Looks like some Tyrannus would release some happy. Pretty, I'd say it's more the latter than anything else. Uh, like so, like like for the latest design we we got by Lenny Olenichek, um I basically said to her, hey, um, this is what I want. I want a giant squid that's uh, got... Um, I thought it was cool. It was like a Kraken monster. Yeah, yeah. I, like, it, I yeah. want to have a ton of teeth and eyes and then do... And then um, and holding a mace. And she gave me something that had two maces. So I was like, oh, he's this even better. Um, same thing happened with uh, the guy who did Unslayable. Uh, I don't know his real name, actually. It's, I think it's Cusp that he, he goes by. C-V-S-P-E. Um, and he... Uh, yeah, like I just got him to. I literally said to him, uh, "I'm looking for uh, a giant squid in space eating a dead star," and he said to me, "I've never done anything in my, anything like that in my life, and I love the sound of it." And then, and then both him and Lenny uh, did did theirs really quickly. I think he he came back to me with, a, with an album cover in like two days uh. like, from me because. Uh, like sometimes like you just have to give an artist like an amazing idea and they're like yep that'll do that sounds like a tattoo see trying me try to tell like an artist this is what i want it's like, that sounds fucking stupid and it gets done and it's like it's still fucking stupid but it's quite cool you know what i mean yeah i think well i think well, Lenny's a tattoo artist i'd hate to be a tattoo artist folk coming to me with ideas i'm like fuck <laughs> that drop your cell and i'll do it <laughs> well i think some artists do kind of sort of act uh, um act like that like like they expect you to have a really good brief before before they do anything whereas, yeah um whereas some people like like i intentionally left it up to Lenny's imagination because she's got a really signature style that i i, I love and like i don't care what you do as long as it's in your style basically Right, perfect. So that's artwork discussed. I do love the, the artwork with the the squid. I thought it was fucking cool. Yeah. Um, I think at future releases we'll have the same kind of thing. And the, well, the vinyl because that'll be obviously bigger. You could do an inlay for the vinyl. Or are you, is that a gatefold? No. I have no idea. No. Um, we'll we'll pull it up later on. We'll have a look. But right, okay. The um, and not to mention the inside photo was taken by Sinead. Yes, it was. very own. 
who I still regard as the best uh, photographer uh, that it's ever I've ever been in the front of a lens for. Just because she's sitting in the fucking room, you don't have to like say that. <laughs> she's getting like here that. Right, okay, right. What is your opinion on the kind of Scottish metal scene these days? It's really good at the moment. Really good. It's been a bit like I. So I've been in in the metal scene for, oh my god, nearly fifteen years now, and I don't remember a time as good as this. There, it, it, there was a time where it was maybe a little bit more prolific, and that was would have been back when Cerebral Bore and Man Must Die were were a bit more like uh, out in the the public sphere. But in terms of like sheer consistency and quality, you've it's never been better like you've got you've got a really good range from, from from the top to the bottom in terms of like you've got party cannon at the top and uh Scoratura not far behind them and then below them you uh, then it kind of goes down to like guys like us brain bath um Brad's cadaver uh penny coffin are are uh, well coffin mulch both penny coffin and coffin mulch are two of the best death metal bands you'll ever hear from scotland as far as i'm concerned i've never heard of any of these guys but I definitely will try and check it all out like. yeah um uh, and yeah it's just in a really good place right now like like there's um i feel like back back in the day there was a bit of too much of a competition element where people were more concerned about like China outdo someone but in the wrong way whereas these days it's just about trying to bring the best of each other I think especially obviously this is like years before you were even probably born mm-hmm. um, with black and, and death metal it was all about the the image of yeah. like painting your pus fucking looking like something at WWF <laughs> and then you'd set fire to churches and like I love the whole Burzum thing I think he's a fucking maniac and he's a twat but I think the Burzum thing the story of it's quite cool the story that that Burzum and Mayhem managed to create for yeah. black metal for better or worse yeah. is, is what it's synonymous with yeah. I personally want that to change I don't I think there's I think it's had it's time it got it's um it, it gave that it got the eye the attention it got the that yeah, it, it got, got the name attention out. but yeah. it also stigmatised it for a long time like you can't really like, like um. One of my favorite Facebook pages is making black metal dudes type pa- paragraphs. Like that's still a stereotype of these like pseudo intellectual twats who yeah. are just fascists or stupid. Uh, your band's total anti-fascist, obviously, which is cool. Like, yeah, you want to go more into that? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's funny because Turnus obviously reflected me a fair bit. Um, in terms of like, what I've written in that, and I don't know. When we consciously decided to just become an anti-fascist band, but I think it, it became natural between Alistair and I, but like this is what we both believe in. There's no point in us, of, of us trying to hide it, especially as more bands are kind of being blatantly like creepy and weird. Um, so it's, bands, fucking photographers too. Oh God, <laughs> did he? But but that, that's the point. Is that like it, it? The whole point of of us making a statement as a as anti-fascist is to let certain people know, hey, you're not you're not welcome we're not going to play with you we're not going to let you in our shows we're yeah. not going to like any of this so no that's good um, and that's so that people who don't maybe normally come to a metal show feel feel much safer for it i think there is a big thing in kind of music there's one of those we all know people who are in the industry no matter what they do if they're management or if they're uh, in the actual band or if they're promotionals uh, doing promotions etc there are people that people know a story about like oh he's known for doing that but it's fine because mm-hmm. it's just him there is a lot of that in the music industry and a lot of it gets overturned um like bands especially there's there are quite a few bands that they're a big band so they're letting away with it kind yeah. of thing and um, you hear stories of like past events 
and bands doing certain things, especially especially underage thing, the whole like sixteen and under patter, um, and then bands saying X amount of words back yeah. then and all that shit. It's it's stuff I'm sick of. Like I think it, when I was younger, it was easy enough for me to turn a blind eye to it. And there's stuff that even in the Scottish metal scene that like I look back on and be like, what the hell? But they couldn't get away with it because like cameras. Like Twitter, you know what I mean? Yes, just takes no. out one guy to tweet something, well, or one girl to come up with an accusation, and then not necessarily. It depends on on the institution that's been appealed to. So, not to get too big wordy about nah, it, fine, but sorry. when people say cancel culture is is a big thing, it only really depends on on who it matters to. So, an example, um, one example really came this week actually was where a, a, a South American um, progressive thrash metal band called Vector got um, got signed to Century Media, one of the biggest metal labels yeah, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Century Media, maybe they did know, maybe they didn't know. I mean, if you're going to be that big a, a record label, I'd expect you to have a big uh, someone that can do research, you know, due diligence and research, and. Um, it's well known that the Vector singer is uh, an abuser. He has been filmed um, and recorded of uh, like physically abusing his now ex-wife. Uh-huh. Yeah. His entire band left him because of it. He had to go and find new guys who, who are now going to have to... You know, Surely what... that was mentioned in his Wikipedia page. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so... So one day, or no, sorry, two days after the Century Media made the, the whole big um, thing of like, oh, we signed this this person, they um, they let him go, they they cancelled yeah. the contract, and that was because like everyone was like, how, why are you signing like a known domestic abuser? Why, yeah. why like, and that's and okay, so so that worked, okay, but I think most people would agree beating your wife is kind of what like that you don't really do that no you okay? do not do that but at the same time you've got other bands who are bigger than vector way bigger than vector and who have probably just done just as bad if not worse yeah and they're still allowed to go about like um one of the one of the ones that people kind of get um, a bit antsy about is a black metal band called mcclaw who are a bit of a... Mikla. M-G-L-A. I, I don't know how you're meant to sort of pronounce it properly. Right. It, someone can get at me if they want to. But they, they've they got a bit, bit of a big controversy going about them. The main reason being that uh, they, they they played as a backing band for a known neo-Nazi. Or certainly, uh, certainly someone who was severely anti-Semitic. Oh, for fuck's sake. But people, but because they're so big and people like them, they're going to make excuses for them, and so they're they're going to still be able to go out and tour. The only the closest you can really do to that is refuse to support them. Yeah. There's there's even a band in Scotland. I'm not going to name names, but anyone listening should already know who this is. Go and see it, and I'll lay that out. I promise you. Who? But, but I'll write it down for you. I'll lay that out. Just tell me. So that the person behind that band is uh, uh, back in the late two thousands uh, had a one oh, again it goes back to the whole thing of one man bands had a had a project black metal project I think it was or folk metal whatever it was um, that got released on an explicitly um, national socialist label. Uh-huh. You can find this on metal archives quite easily, and they've not said anything about it. Now, now on one hand. It was like 15 years ago now. 
But at the same time, like I'm fairly public about the fact that like I had some deep issues uh, as uh, you know as, as a younger fella when it came to like alt right stuff and that that like stuff that I believed in that was not right. Yeah. Didn't make any artistic expressions out of it, thankfully. Yeah. But if I did, I probably want to address it if I'm trying to go move forward with yeah. my career, not try and make it out to be a very public skeleton in the closet, you know. <laughs> but so yeah, cancel culture. Maybe it works sometimes, but other times not so much. I think folk take the piss on what can get cancelled and what can't get cancelled sometimes. I think people try to take the piss, but it's uh, but re- realistically, like if cancel culture was a thing, Boris Johnson wouldn't have been in office as long as he was. Liz Truss currently wouldn't be in office. No, there is a fair enough. So with the Scottish metal scene, apart from said selected couple of people, it's going strong in terms of musically yeah um, yeah definitely what about the independent side of it do you think promoters are being fair these days do you think that um obviously you don't do music for the money but is money do you think as much money is getting put in these days and also as well i want you know your opinion on streaming would you so everything you've released i've bought mm-hmm. i have bought i don't i don't like spotify fucking funny because this will be on spotify but you can't get fuck all money for doing podcasts but you can for music mm-hmm. So, do you prefer? Obviously, you're, you'll be doing physicals, so you'll be doing an LP. You've got a CD, you've got cassettes. Yeah. Would you rather everybody invested into that? Because obviously, that feeds the artists. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That gives you the money to to do what you need to do. So, what's your thoughts on streaming and all that shit? Okay, so I'll ask, I'll answer your first question, uh, which is to do with the promoters of Scotland. I think mm-hmm. the promoters in Scotland have, uh, I think they have good intentions for the most part. There's a couple of them that I would say that I'm good good friends with. The issue, however, is going to be that they're going to end up having to, to cover their own asses first. That's the way that they, they're going to look at it. They're not going to want to take a loss on a uh, on a gig because they want to keep making... Because they're needing to fund the next gig after that. Yeah, That is going to, unfortunately, lead them to make some bad decisions, which they're going to maybe try and justify to themselves in their sleep. But... I don't agree with it. Like if I, if I put on a show and I make a loss, I don't care because I'm only here to to make um to promote shows to like for my friend for my friends to my friends. Like also, look like, if that one person in the crowd that buys your EP and it really fucking speaks to them and it helps in some sort of way. That's yeah. Although you're not a big band, that doesn't matter. I've always said this. Doesn't matter what size of band you are. The influence and difference you can make on somebody is mental like yeah. some of the biggest bands in the world mean fuck all comparison to some of the small bands yeah i mean like to go off a wee bit of a tangent like the amount of bands that that, that are the amount of metal bands that say that are influenced by budgie a tiny band from wales from back in the day like i did a day what's that metallica song bread fan yeah bread fan yeah and uh the one i remember most is melt the ice away Right, okay. Um, but but yeah, like like they're a, they're a fairly small band from Wales, and they end up like, and they influence bands that are like thousands of times about bigger mm, than Metallica. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like, like yeah, like if someone like if someone comes to a show, buy some merch. That's that's fine. I don't care. It's like because I'll still pay the bands first before I pay myself. But the promoters, uh, most promoters in anywhere really will will be looking to try and fund whatever their next project is, yeah. and then that means that they might stiff a band or what have you, or or do the whole pay-to-play pay thing. I'm not going to call anyone one out on it, but it is 
I don't like it. I understand why they're doing it, but I don't like it. Especially not in the level you guys are on. Like, see if you were like, right, Tyrannus are playing the garage. Mm-hmm. I sold it. 800 capacity venue one can dream yeah one can dream <laughs> but if you had a band you know I mean the, the, fair enough I get that I, I don't know for a 100 capacity room paint to play is just fucking silly yeah well so um, maybe if it like if it if you if it's I don't know if it was maybe like King Tuts or something where, like I've got right so I've got a project in, in the works uh, right now that I'm going to be announcing probably towards the end of the year which is going to be at a 300 capacity venue it's going to be involving Arguably the, the 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 biggest metal band that Scotland's ever produced, which I've not named yet, but well, you're playing with them. Yeah, I'm gonna be playing with them because because they're my friends. Oh, nice. So like that, that's what I mean. Like like I don't I don't care really don't care about like what the money is or that. All I care yeah, about yeah. is me and my pals having a good time. And then if other people want to buy a ticket to come and hang out with us and have a good time as well, that's yeah. cool. We'll do that. Yeah. Um. But that's. I suppose that's just kind of like a, a whole um, difference in priorities, really. Like, like yeah. this, this for me, like, even though it kind of consumes my entire being, it's still just good fun for me. Whereas yeah. other people are trying to make a career out of it or whatever. No, I think if you break, even if you break even and you, you sell break a even, of, you're doing good. You break even, sell a couple of t shirts, and you make a difference to that one person, I think it's all yeah. worth it. You don't have to be a fucking stadium band. Or sold out dates all in the fucking calendar. It doesn't really matter about that. So this is where we come in to answer your second question, which is to do with streaming. Streaming, unfortunately, is a necessary evil. I think the fact that someone can pay what eight ninety nine for unlimited access to to all music possible. That's nearly all that's ever been made. That's pretty cool. Like it's a very like Spotify, for example, is a really good um, promotional tool for us. Like I finally started getting round, coming around to the whole sort of playlist thing. I hate Spotify as a company. I think they're, I think what they do and what they invest in is abhorrent and evil. But I can't expect someone to be able to buy an EP, buy a cassette, whatever. I can't expect them to be able to do that and also have the means to listen to that as well. Because it's not like you can buy a cassette and then pop it into your Walkman nowadays. My room is covered in vinyls and cassettes and it, CDs. I don't play fucking any of them. Exactly. But I, just like to ha- I just love to support a band. I, I prefer the physical too. One of the best things about getting a physical album, I mean, if I if a new album comes out, I listen to it on my iPhone, mm-hmm. in my headphones, but I'll have the vinyl laid at my floor. Yeah. I'll be looking at the artwork and the lyrics and, you know what I mean, the creation of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't. I don't even have a record player right now. Yeah, you know no, I mean? I, or I, I've got I've, I've got a tape deck, but yeah, and that and that's yeah. and that's awesome. Like I think like people like if people want to support the music that uh, like by buying physical merchandise, yeah. absolutely, please do. Like yeah. we we need it, but at the same time, like I'm not gonna make the access of my music dependent on a fee or or something like that. So that's why like I'm. I'm still very much in two minds about having our music up on Spotify just because of how much of an evil company they are. But yeah. at the same time, like most people are going to have Spotify. Well, all your shit's on Bandcamp, eh? And a lot of stuff you've got is um, choose what you want. Yes. Fact, so you know, all, of it, all of it should be yeah, choose what you want. Yeah, to pay what you want. So, yeah, like and, the, it's, and it's fair, you know what I mean? Yeah. There was a guy, um, an artist I really like called Sully. He dropped an album and he he decided it was not going on, on any streaming platforms but Bandcamp mm-hmm. and he put it up for forty two quid. Jesus. Yeah, no, because he was like, "Oh, this is my life's work. This is what everything's been leading up to." Um, forty two quid. That's not going anywhere. And then six people bought it, and then two weeks later, it was on fucking iTunes. Yeah, of course it will. <laughs> um, 
like I don't really I, so I, I am coming from this uh, this perspective of like in a good very lucky in the fact that we the Unslayable album got funded by Creative Scotland so we yeah. didn't have to worry about money for, for that like it was a case of we we knew how much it was we asked them for uh, for the money to, to record it and they said yes and, yeah. and that was it like didn't have to worry about the cost of it at all so the so in that so in that sense, why would I then try and pass that on to the, the consumer without Yeah. Like like if I if I've recorded this for free, relatively yeah, speaking. Yeah. Um then, as long as you get something back. I don't like the whole silly thing with the forty two pounds, I understand why he did that. Um if I could get away with charging forty two quid for I mean it is a bang and album too. Um I was say that, that's, yeah. that's the other thing. Like, if you were be charging forty two pound for an album, you better be sure it's good. And no, it was good. <laughs> I understand we did it, but it's it was obviously it was you couldn't do that forever. You yeah, know what I mean? I, I imagine he probably calculated like what he was losing from not having Spotify's um, revenue streams and tried to make it up. For, I think it was just that. the availability of it. You know what I mean? Um, was more the main thing that folk couldn't listen to it really. I don't know, but it's it's out there. It's on Spotify and iTunes, and it's a good album. But yeah. like like you're saying. You can pay to play, uh, fucking pay to play. You can pay how much you want for it. Take a demo or unslayable album or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Bandcamp is very straightforward. If I if I could buy everything on Bandcamp and all my music was just there, I think I'd be the best way forward. But I've got like yeah. four different. I've got iTunes. I've got Dropbox because you songs you can't get anywhere, and you got they're, Bandcamp. They're so close to being a real competitor against Spotify, but there's a, like a couple of decisions that like they've either not made or stuff they should be doing that they're not. What's the percentage you get? If you, if I buy an album of you for five quid, you should get like what three fifty of that surely. Three. Uh, so if you buy, I think it's like three quarters that we get. So yeah. So like if you buy, yeah, if you four quid, you get three quid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's good. Whereas iTunes, if you buy an album for eight ninety nine, you're gonna get, I can get some daft like fifty nine pence or something. I've had music on on iTunes since two thousand eighteen. I don't think I've made a penny. Yeah, of I've made um like with Spotify. I think we we this will be the first year we've actually made any proper money off it, and it'll be yeah. maybe like a hundred quid. But that's still that's that's like five less t shirts than we had to sell. You know? Oh, exactly. See if yeah. ten people bought your your CD. Yeah. That'd be that, you know what I mean? There's a while she sleeps at a a campaign thing. It's like you need to stream this one song like X amount of thousands and thousands of time or you could just buy a t shirt. Yes, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're they're um they're a great band by the way. I got to see them at Bloodstock last last year, I love them. They, yeah, I'm not a big fan of their new stuff. I used to love them, but that I like I like the their approach on everything. Mm-hmm. They're they're a heavy independent band. Everything they do is them. You should see their warehouse and all that stuff. Aye. They put every bit of merch they make, etc. So yeah. Right. So you kinda dropped there that you've got a new thing, my pal, for Glasgow. You're gonna do a three hundred capacity gig. Yes. Do you so want to talk about that now? Is that top secret that, shit? That's top secret right now, but everyone who's involved in it knows uh, knows about Wait, it. Wait, when's it getting? Because this isn't going to get released until it's not, October, end October. Uh, no, so it's not, no, when I said a project, I'm talking about a gig. Right, so yeah, yeah but it's yeah. still something that you're working on. So yes. It's a project, uh, yeah, essentially. So it's, there's, there, it's, it's in the works. Contracts have been signed. It's just a case of... Contracts? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, fucking it's, hell. It's, it's, well, if, you've got, if you've got a 300 capacity venue, you're going to need, need someone, someone... Is that a Glasgow venue? Yeah, it'll be All a Glasgow right. venue. Um, Glasgow venue is currently not built right now. It's currently being... I'll tell you about it off the podcast. Right, okay, but, fair enough. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah there's going to be... I'll probably be announcing it to, probably towards Christmas time. Right, okay. Um, and and yeah, like it's gonna be a good one. But part of me is also like a bit um 
I'm a bit trepidatious about it because of the fact that like we've got um we've got like a cost of living government murder spree coming up. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, every so. country's scared to make up one of those. A kettle costs three pence to make. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, you have, have to just eat your your uh, local Tory, I guess. Um, right, you got anything coming up? You got an audio show coming up, eh? Uh, yes, we're. But I think by the time I've dropped this, it'll be done. When is it? It's the twenty eighth of October. All right, then this should just be it before uh, then. I'm hoping I've just not that I've affect that, ticket right? sales massively. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's in October. It is with Caligram. Uh, supports are with our pals Ash Inspire and Sobrog. Uh, Archspire. Ash Inspire. I thought you said Archspire there. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> um, no, Caligram are a great band. Um, Ash Inspire are having a hell of a a year this year like uh, hostile architecture coming out there Th- like this will probably be the last time you can probably see ash inspire in a support capacity i imagine right and uh and slip rogue are just kind of great um new black metal band so we got we because they played with us at our album release show so and any other gigs after that you uh, start booking for festivals like maybe even like day things next year i mean i don't know if i even want to bother with festivals like i feel like I feel like the festival thing really hypes a band ego up in the wrong way because I imagine like okay you're you're playing to like three hundred people, are they really there to see you? No, yeah. Like I'd I'd rather be playing to fifty people that that came to, to see us rather than like however many thousand that like were, you know, like semi interested. Would in you us. do an all day or? As in like like me put on an all day or yeah. <sighs> don't know like it, it can't the issue i've got is, is i i try to measure an audience's um attention span and i don't really know if like an all day of like black and death metal is really the, the thing to, i think if I, if I was to do like a, a variety show like if i got like a bunch of different bands that i was pals with that all the different music i'd probably yeah. go for that yeah. so you maybe maybe save the heavier stuff for for like later in in the night, or you or you try and like chop and change, so like yeah. maybe have some someone that's a bit lighter and then one big bipolar list, <laughs> exactly, yeah, or like a, like a big mood playlist, like but in in real life. So, but yeah, um, no, in terms of shows, we've got we're playing Inverness, we're playing Inverness on Saturday, so that'll be before this uh, this this is out, um, and then we've got we've got the Caligram show on the twenty eighth of October. I'm hoping I'm, I'm remembering that right, or Craig Law is going to kill me. And um, and we're playing Bolton in November. Bolton? Uh, yeah, Bolton. What for? Uh, just someone asked us to play there. So. All right, support. Uh, it's kind of like, a, again, like one of those variety shows. Like There's like loads of bands that I've never heard of, so I guess it's just kind of like, hey, here's a collection of bands. Go go see which one you like. It's nice to get asked. Yeah, um, and feel paid for. Um, I am. And we've got one more show that's not been announced yet that will also be in Glasgow, but hopefully, hopefully it gets announced soon. Is that, that fucking Monday when I can come? I'll be like a Friday night or a Saturday I night. I think it's a Thursday actually. Oh right, so yeah. it's not a fucking Saturday night pay weekend, no. No, no, I'm pretty sure that that one's a Thursday. But again, that's this one I can't announce yet because it's not been announced. But no, fair enough. Pretty, that's in November. Um, I think it's a Thursday. But apart from that, what's the future of Tyranus? So you got you start writing for the next. Yeah, started writing. I I got my Dropbox folder uh, for Turnus Three on the uh, Turnus Three. Well, we count the first EP. It's oh like, right, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, so yeah, Turnus Three, as it were. It's um that the Dropbox folder has been created. There are currently, 
a couple of bits and pieces of record at home plus a couple of like um just like written up songs uh, like in the most basic format so hopefully we'll be able to start playing new stuff soon because as much as I, I very much adore Unslayable and it is the album that 15 year old Calm would have loved to have made yeah I'm kind of bored of playing all the songs now and I want done 17 gigs aye <laughs> well, I've, I've got ADHD right oh fair enough <laughs> Right, okay, so you got Tennis 3 on the go, a few headline things, anything else you want to fucking plug if any cunt listens to this, or anything you want to talk about? Um, I'm going to go plug some of my pals. If you want, Aye, fine. Uh, okay, we're going to shout out to Ash Inspire, who brought out Hostile Architecture this year. It's one of the best metal albums ever made, so go and, go and listen to that, please. Um... I'm going to also shout out to my boys in Hellripper, who is also making a new album that will be out next year. Um, best best metal Scotland's ever ever produced. Um, who else? Who else we pass with? Oh, they talked about Alcia, One Man Drone. Awesome dude. Uh, same with Bal and Surchange. I need to go see a one-man band. That sounds fucking brilliant. It's it's a very interesting experience. Although I was speaking now the podcast I did before this, Sam Ricketts, he's got a, a, a solo thing. I think it was called Cave Walker. Yeah. And it was, yeah, one man. It was like a um, synth uh, vocals, maybe, maybe, maybe guitar. Yeah. But yeah, it sounds interesting, but I just, I don't know. Never seen it live, so... Don't know if I like it or not. I should appreciate it, but yeah, go and see it. Go, go like if you've never seen it in one person, like another good one. Uh, it was a completely different end in terms of genre. Is Mod the Moth? She's like a, I guess some sort of like neo folk, um, kind of jazz electronica. T- like very like just very mixed artist who, who does like amazingly emotional music, and it's just mainly her and a piano. Nice. Um. So yeah, shout out to her as well, Mad Moth. She did the uh, the guest vocals on Break the Wall of Evil. Uh, shout out to Devastator, Black Frash from uh, Derbyshire. Great lads. Uh, although Tom's cancelled, you'll get that. And uh, and our guys in Live Burial uh, from Newcastle. Amazing death metal. Some of the best the uh, UK's ever produced. Brian, glad to hear it. Right, Callum, thank you for doing this. Uh, thank you, Callum, for, for doing this. No, I, I needed somebody decent... Uh, I don't really go by size and all that stuff, and like I like your music as well, so that's that's a good start. But you're just an interesting kind of person to chat to, so that's that's what I need. I can't be arsed chatting to folk with just no personnel about them, so <laughs> you tick the list off people to chat to. So thank you as always, man. Well, happy to come back. Perfect, right? That's us. Thank you. Cheers.